Our goal is to help the newcomers. Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group. To prepare for our Big Book Study, let's get focused by having a three-minute moment of silent meditation, followed by the fog light prayer. Hello, everybody. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Chris. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Rob. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're going to start the meditation in a minute. Please take a moment to get situated and turn off all devices that make noise or will distract others for the duration of the meeting. The coffee area will be closed for the meditation part of the meeting so as to minimize distractions, but we do have many delicious donuts in the rear here that um, we would encourage you to consume before then. Rumor has it somebody hit a diamond in one of those donuts. So go ahead and try to root it out there if you would. It's like a pig getting truffles. You know, you gotta I feel like that was made up. It might have been. Okay. I don't know. Uh, also, please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. For the meditation, some suggestions are focus on your breath and posture. Breathe in God, breathe out self. Take this time to get reconnected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you focus on the study. Everybody ready? Enjoy your God time with the monks. Thank you. 
Join us for the fog light prayer. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. What do you think, Rob? Should we have our secretary's report? Do we have a new one of those? We have another report, a new secretary, the same secretary, but she's awesome. She's amazing. Yeah. All right. Tanisha. She is. Tanisha. Welcome. Listen, I'm in no rush. I'm just... Hi, my name is Tanisha, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. Hi, Tanisha. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. And I've asked Melissa to read the recover statement. We read this... Clap it up for Melissa. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. Hi, I'm Melissa, a recovered alcoholic. Hey, Melissa. I've recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered but not cured? That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thanks, Melissa. 1940-style big book sponsorship from forward to second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sobered at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, came to believe and experiences that God is not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. To my right, we have CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale. You can purchase these with cash, or you can... um, We have Zelle, Venmo, and... The square. That's right. P.O.S. So, um, if you're like me and you don't carry cash sometimes, well, that's how you can also contribute your donation, right? Self-supporting. We meet here Monday promptly at 7.15 p.m., and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the Road to Recovery tune. See you next week. Thank you, Tanisha.
from the forward to the first edition of Alcoholics Anonymous. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book and of this group. From there is a solution also from the big book. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news that this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. This is an open meeting, and as such, all who have an interest in alcoholism and our program of recovery are welcome. Because this is an open meeting, you need not identify yourself nor your reason for being here. If you do not wish to do so, your anonymity will be protected. We ask that you protect ours. On the topic of anonymity, uh, I have heard that this meeting is podcast on the Internet. What? And so if you don't want your voice on the Internet, just pass that microphone and don't talk into it. Or you could disguise your voice with a funny accent. Nice. That's so fancy. Uh, can we have a show of hands of people joining us for the very first time? All right. Welcome. Welcome. And then a show of hands for recovered alcoholics. Right. If your hand is not up, grab one of these people that have their hands up and ask them how they did that their thing. While this is an open meeting, membership in this group is limited to those who wish to recover from alcoholism and have a desire to stop drinking for good and all. Each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is a potential sponsor of a new member and should clearly recognize the obligations and duties of such a responsibility. Is there anyone that did not get a big book, does not have one in front of them? Raise your hands. We'll get you one. It's a big book study. It's good to have a big book. Okay. Awesome. We all got it. Um, before we begin our study, we're actually going to... No, we're not. There's no tradition tonight. So if you want to see the traditions, next week, come back. All right. Nice. Stay tuned. In order to help us stay focused as we study the big book, we use the big book study guide prepared by Joe and Charlie and Krusty Cliff of the Dallas Primary Purpose Group. Who do we got reading for us tonight? Get out of town. Frederick's back? We do. We got Fred back. Come on up, come on up here, Freddy. Fred. Fred is a, a tremendous person to read. He's done a lot of years of service to this meeting and, and shared it. And He's kind and of a big everything. deal and a yes. local celebrity. Uh, Boom. So good to see that guy. Where are we starting tonight? On, on uh, page 14? Or? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. And We're going to start on 14. We'll probably tee it up a little bit uh, before that. And after the page is read, we're going to ask questions from the podium. Starting back at the top of 14, the answers will be one sentence unless otherwise specified. And multi-part questions are simply a one-sentence answer split up by commas, semicolons, hyphens, and other fun bits of punctuation. Basically, in English, what that means is that we're going to read the material once through and then re-dissect the information a second time through the question and answer format. Notice how the language in the questions gives us a new light in which to consider that study material. This right. is important because hearing the question and rereading the content offers a definite way of comprehending the material covered. After we've completed the page, we open up for comments. Comments, questions, and observations based on what was just read. If you have spiritual experiences with this information, you are free to share. However, Big Book Study is not therapy. Should you begin sharing about topics which are more appropriately discussed in a different, i.e. sponsorship setting, please do not be offended when Alan here cuts that conversation short. Welcome on back there, Alan. For that purpose, we have fellowship okay. meetings before and after our study time. You're right there, Rob. There's two, two Alans, so it There's could be either. Yeah. Just roll the dice. Maybe both. Yeah. They're both pretty ruthless. Uh, you can never go wrong by commenting on the page, which brings us to the words of one of the co-founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. 
sobriety, freedom from alcohol through the teaching and practice of the 12 steps is the sole purpose of any Alcoholics Anonymous group. Rob, how long do you reckon you and I have been doing this big book study for? Oh, it seems like just yesterday. It's been, it's been about 13 weeks. Oh, that's yeah. more accurate then. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's a good length of time, and we're, it's been a fun journey so far. But we didn't just open up the book on page 14, did we? I think we might have. No, we, have. we okay. have been uh, starting this journey on page zero and uh, going through page by page in this here big book, including the Roman numerals, yeah. which are important to the study. Uh, to this point, to week 14. So we started in the preface and the forwards, which introduces us to uh, some of the history of Alcoholics Anonymous when the, the group first formed and, and before it even became Alcoholics Anonymous as, uh, you know, Bill and, and Bob uh, were introduced as the Oxford Group Program, uh, which later became Alcoholics Anonymous with the introduction of this book. And uh, we got introduced to some of that early history as well as some of the early uh, statistics of recovery as, as well as the, how the fellowship has evolved and grown uh, with the introduction of the big book and uh, so many new groups that sprung out of that. And then after the preface and forwards, we got into the doctor's opinion. The doctor's opinion was written by Dr. William D. Silkworth. He was the chief physician at Towns Hospital in New York. And he talks about what the disease of alcoholism is. He treated a lot of alcoholics, a lot of addicts in his life. And he talks about this threefold illness, this physical allergy that means I can't control it. When I put one in, I, can't, I get thirsty. I want more and more and more. And also, when I have a good reason to stop, I, I don't stop. I actually go back to it. I can't stay stopped. And so I emerge remorseful with a firm resolution not to do it again, but it's repeated over and over. And he says also that we work out our solution on a spiritual as well as an altruistic plane but that we still need to go to the hospital if we're very jittery or befogged because then we have a better chance of understanding and accepting what this book and this program has to offer. So after the doctor's opinion, we get into the meat and potatoes of uh, what, what does that look like in a human being, right? Yes, and that is uh, Bill's story. So we get to see what uh, the disease of alcoholism looks like in uh, one of the co-founders, Bill Wilson, and we get to see the progression of the disease as Bill you know, is in the armed forces and then gets out. Uh, and then gets into uh, stock brokering. Uh, him and his wife get to travel the country in a motorcycle and sidecar and uh, research all these. I'm just, you know, every time I read this, I'm just floored about like how down Lois was as a wife. Like she did a lot of crazy stuff with Bill uh, through his alcoholism, moved to Canada, mm. uh, lived with a buddy of his there, uh, gets Loses his job up there after uh, having a fight with a taxi cab driver. Moves in with Lois's parents. Uh, again, this is a down woman. One of them uh, dies. She works at a department store. She's yeah, yeah. So we get to see, we get to see uh, his progression of alcoholism and, and where it takes him. He's unemployed for what five years. Doesn't draw a sober breath. And mm. and uh, when it looks like all hope is lost, you know, Bill's been diagnosed that. You know, they're either going to have to lock him up or he's going to die of delirium tremens. Um, finally, he gets this message carried to him by his old drinking buddy, Ebby Thatcher, who is involved in the Oxford group at that time. He's got two months sober and he comes and he brings this message to Bill and he says, hey, I've got religion. And he's like, oh, crap, this isn't for me. Uh, and he knew that about his friend Bill, that he was not going to easily accept, you know, what they require in the Oxford groups, which is accepting uh, a very specific um, religious group as, you know, your, your savior and et cetera. So he's like, you know what, Bill, how about you just use a conception 
Whatever conception you want to choose, use that as your God. You don't have to accept mine or the Oxford groups. Just do that. How about that, Bill? And he's like, whoa, right? And this is, he starts working. uh, He goes to detox for a fourth time to the same town's hospital that you just talked about with uh, Dr. Silkworth. And uh, there's when he starts working these these steps uh, from the Oxford group, which then were evolved into the steps that we know today in Alcoholics Anonymous and has his spiritual experience while still in detox, um, you know, working those steps fast. So uh, pretty cool. That's where we are um, as Bill is, um, you know, going through this work as he's in detox. And uh, where do you think we should tee it up? So we're on 14. Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about 13 at the top, 13 paragraph one at the hospital? That's perfect. Okay. Ready? Oh, so ready. Fred, recovered alcoholic. What hey, up, Fred? Freddy? At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise for I showed signs of delirium tremens. There I humbly offered myself to God as I then placed, as I then understood him to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away root and branch. I have not had a drink since. My schoolmate visited me, and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. We made a list of people I had hurt toward whom I felt resentment. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals, admitting my wrong. Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Never was I to pray for myself except as my request bore on my usefulness to others. Then only might I expect to receive, but that would be in great measure. My friend promised me when these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator, that I would have all the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. Belief in the power of God plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. Simple but not easy, a price had to be paid. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. I must turn in all things to the Father of light who presides over us all. These were revolutionary and drastic proposals, but the moment I fully accepted them, the effect was electric. There was a sense of victory followed by such a peace and serenity as I had ever known. There was utter confidence. I felt lifted up as though the great clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. God comes to most men gradually, but his impact on me was sudden and profound. For a moment, I was alarmed and called my friend, the doctor, to ask if I was still sane. He listened in wonder as I talked. Finally, he shook his head, saying, Something has happened to you, and I don't understand. But you had better hang on to it. Anything is better than the way you were. The good doctor sees many men who have had such experiences. He knows they are real. While I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given to me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They, in turn, might work with others. My friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Particularly, was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me? Faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, 
He could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink. Again, and if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it's just like that. My wife and I abandoned ourselves with enthusiasm to the idea of helping other alcoholics to a solution of their problems. It was fortunate for my old business associates remained skeptical for a year and a half, during which I found little work. I was, too, I was not too well at the time and was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. This sometimes nearly drove me back to drink, but I soon found that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. Many times I had gone to my old hospital in despair. On talking to a man there, I would be amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. It is a design for living that works in rough going. We commenced to make many fast friends, and a fellowship has grown up among us, of which it is a wonderful thing to feel a part. The joy of living we really have, even under pressure and difficulty, I have seen hundreds of families set their feet in the path that really goes somewhere. I have seen the most impossible domestic situations righted. Feuds and bitterness of all sorts wiped out. I have seen men come out of asylums and resume a vital place in the lives of their families and communities. Business and professional men have regained their standing. There is scarcely any form of trouble and misery which has not been overcome among us. In one western city and its environs, there are 1,000 of us and our families. We meet frequently so that the newcomers may find the fellowship they seek. At these formal gatherings, one may often see from 50 to 200 persons. We are growing in numbers and power. An alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. Our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic, and tragic. One poor chap committed suicide in my home. He could not or would not see our way of life. There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. I suppose some would be shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity, but just underneath there is a deadly earnestness. Faith has to work 24 hours a day, in and through, or we perish. Most of us feel we need to look no further for utopia. We have it right here with us and now. Each day, my friend's simple talk in our kitchen multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to all men. Bill W., co-founder of AA, died January 24, 1971. Yeah. So. Got him. So should we do some question and answer, starting from page 14? I like that idea. We'll start at, uh, we'll start at simple. How about that? We start at simple? Yeah? Okay. We've got a three-part question here. Part. Yeah, top of page 14, where it says simple but not easy. So is the program simple? Is the program easy? Is this precious thing a gift? Three-part question. Uh, simple but not easy. A price had to be paid. What must be destroyed? It meant destruction of self-centeredness. Who must I let handle all elements of my life? I must turn in all things to the Father of Light who presides over us all. And we got a note here. Does this mean he is going to manage everything in my life? And this paragraph is over. So this page is now open for comment. Does anybody have experience with, uh, with the ideas on this page or this paragraph? Anybody uh, ever felt like this is this is a simple program, but this is not an easy program? Anybody ever struggled? Okay, we got one. Tanisha, recovered alcoholic. Hey, Tanisha. Simple, but not easy. So, like, I remember one of my um, moments where, like, 
I would do tons of service at my first home group just so I wouldn't have to speak to anyone. Okay? Because talking to people without alcohol is a big challenge. Okay? So I was very antisocial and I just stayed busy. Um, and, you know, just being an Uber driver riding around town and just, you know, ching, 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 you know. I stopped at times, and I would just visit, you know, whatever room was closest, especially when I felt like, okay, I need to fill up my tank again, you know, my AA tank. And, um, you know, that took some discipline as well because it's like, I don't want to go to the meeting. I want to keep on Ubering, you know. After all, I'm in the homeless shelter, and I need my money so I can, you know, get my own place. But it's... It, it's it's very real when you start seeing, like, how better your life become um, as you stay in AA and the more service that you do. Um, I thought it would be hard to, you know, give up my Friday nights and, like, bring in an H&I to a treatment center to women that don't get, you know, who wants to spend their, treat, you know, their, their Friday nights like that. But, boy... Did I feel great walking out of there afterwards, you know? And I was only six months sober then. Um, or getting into a car with my sponsor and driving all the way to Atlanta, you know, for a conference. Like, I don't really know this lady. Like, I just know her six months of my life. Like, and I'm trusting in God that we're going to get there safe and we're going to have the time of our life. And I really got to experience that. You know, it's it's simple but not easy. You know, there was plenty of times where I have a lot of sponsor sisters, and, you know, some of them get it, some of them don't. You know, I see some leave, and it's not easy. It really isn't. But, you know, I put my faith in God, and um, I trust the program. You know, I know that there's no one in this room that's going to, like, you know, tell me, to go and do something that's going to harm myself, you know. There's definitely no one that's, you know, the, the, these people genuinely love me. They want better for my life, you know. And I really, you know, um, admire that because um, I really didn't have anything to offer. But I'm glad that they got it and someone did it for them. So now they can do it for me and I can do it for someone else. So... Thanks. Thanks for sharing. We got a we got another hand over here. Hey, recovered alcoholic Mike Chase. Hey, Mike Chase. This paragraph is summing up what Bill found necessary to do to have the spiritual experience necessary to recover from alcoholism. There is nothing about fun covery in here. There is nothing about ninety and ninety. There is nothing about meeting makers make it. There's nothing about, ooh, get a quick job, easy money, new car, a girlfriend. This is about destruction of self-centeredness, you know, which is impossible for me to do on my own. So I'm looking at this, and if I t just you know, sort of breeze through what Bill went through, that was the secret to have this happen. We just, you know, we flew through this last part, this last week, all the steps we went through and how Ebby had sort of tricked him to go through with it. Page 14, we've already been given the program and the necessary change to get sober. 
I don't know where people get the idea that AA is supposed to be fun and exciting. We, we have a good time. We enjoy life. But this is life and death. People are dying. You know, if we, everybody thinks about how many people do you know that died in fun covery, you know, <laughs> just a great time and, and are dead now. This is, this is a lot of work. And doing the stuff I don't want to do sucks. And hanging out with people I don't want to hang out with sucks. But it got me to a point where I now happy, joyous, and free and have a life. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. And I, I want to draw your attention to page 62. So on page 62, it says, uh, well, first of all, in, in this paragraph we just read, it said, simple but not easy. A price had to be paid. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. And now the second full paragraph on 62, it says, above all, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must or it kills us, as Mike Chase just shared. God makes that possible. There often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. So it says, right, we must turn in all things to the father of light, except for my work life. No, it doesn't say that, right? I must turn to the father of light in all things, who presides over all things, except my sex life. You know, I got that under control. We got a hand up over here. Yeah. <laughs> right? It doesn't say that. We turn, we turn to him in all things is what is what. You have a saying. different big book. Yeah, exactly. Hi, recovered alcoholic named Kelly. Hey, Kelly. So I, too, was on page 62, but I was in a little bit of a different spot. Because it's simple but not easy. A price had to be paid. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. I must turn in all things to the Father of Light who presides over us all. And on page 62, it also says selfishness and self-centeredness. That, we think, is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. The root, like we literally have to dig our root out the root is like where we are it's who we are it's everything that we're made out of and we can't change ourselves we cannot change all of this selfishness and self-centeredness we can't get rid of fear we can't get rid of self-delusion we're 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 delusional like we think we're okay you know we think our our motives and our actions are right self-seeking and self-pity so that's the price that has to be paid it's destruction complete destruction of self and the only one that can change that it's God. And that's it. Simple, but not easy. And you can do that through the workings, the full workings of the 12 steps of AA. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I love that. My sponsor told me very early on, it's like self-centeredness is the root of your disease. So if I catch you going into a meeting and sharing about your problems... That's a bigger problem, right? If self-centeredness is the root of my disease, why am I going to go share my problems in a meeting? Yeah. Right? I need to be there to help the newcomer and just, help somebody else and put my hand out. Just dump it here, right? No. Yeah, of course. No. That's where it goes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and this reminds me to the, what you were saying because we have uh, dictionaries and things that will tell me what all means, right? All things in the Father of Light. So if I'm... Oh, yeah, God, you can have my alcohol problem, but I'm going to keep my sex life. Or I'm going to manage my finances. Don't you worry. I've got a handle on this, right? And if I get out of this meeting and I go home and binge on Internet porn for 12 hours, how sober am I, right? Mm. We don't want to talk about that. That's not sober behavior. It's my... my <laughs> that's free, that's recovery, right? Yeah. It's recovery. Right? But Uncovered. I'm the one that's going to pay the spiritual consequence if I don't right. a, uh, yeah. turn those things over. To the Father of Light, right? He presides over us all, right? Not just over me and not just over you. When you're doing wrong, he presides over all of us. That's what Bill's saying. So should we continue with the Q&A? Does anybody have anything else on this paragraph? Okay, we got some more questions here. 
Two-part question, were these very common proposals and what happened to Bill once he accepted them? Please read the rest of the paragraph. So you got the full paragraph there. And it's the second full paragraph yeah, on page 14. Revolutionary. Got it? Just read the, read the whole paragraph. <clears throat> Athena Alcoholic. Hello. These were revolutionary and drastic proposals, but the moment I fully accepted them, the effect was electric. There was a sense of victory followed by such a peace and serenity as I had ever known. There was utter confidence. I felt lifted up as though the great clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. God comes to most men gradually, but his impact on me was sudden and profound. And we have a comment here. This is how Bill describes his spiritual experience or, quote, hot flash. So uh, does anyone have experience with, with anything like this? Has anybody ever felt like the clean wind? We have one. Yes. Cool. Hi, I'm Amy. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Hey, Amy. So, yes, this is exactly how it happened for me. And um, I had, I felt like I reached my bottom in October um, of 2006, but I didn't have my spiritual experience until, uh, February 28th of 2007. And when I had it, it was exactly like this describes. And I never have drank again since it happened. Um, I still, uh, you know, had to do my part working the steps and all that, but, um, it was profound and it was sudden and it felt like heat. Like you said, a hot flash. It felt um, just from the top of my head to the tips of my toes, just something overwhelming came over me and, um, the, the sense of peace and, um, just the sense of freedom that I felt. Um, it was, it was sudden and complete. And, um, but that doesn't mean that, um, it should, um, overshadow someone else's experience who might be gradual, uh, because each are equally effective. Um, as long as you are surrendered to God, you know, it, it, however it looks, it doesn't matter just because mine look like that doesn't mean that yours should. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, it's like if I'm if I'm getting up to the top of this mountain, does it matter if I took the ski lift or if I if I hiked up there? You know, we're getting to the same we're we're hiking the same mountain, right? Should we anyone else? Yes. Cool. I'm Grace and I'm a recovered alcoholic. Hey Grace. Um so for me, God's impact on me was also sudden and profound. I woke up in the hospital from a bad night of drinking, and um, it was kind of a two-part thing, really. Um, the first moment I woke up sober, I took my first sober breath, and then um, I felt that the obsession had been removed. And that um, although I was making plans to stay at home, I was also making plans to travel down here and try a new way of life. And um, I could have taken... Um, I was driving, I had all my belongings in my car and I could have continued, I could have taken an exit and drove back to the place where I was staying or um, I could have continued the way I was going. And 
I felt like I wasn't even in control of my own body at that point and that God was guiding me. Um, and I didn't stop driving till I went from Maryland to South Carolina. And it was an incredible experience to have in my first few days of early sobriety. And um, I was just so completely, utterly done and had no desire to put another substance in my body. Um, and then, and I felt like all that was blocking me from like God's love was like cleared out of me and that I, could, I felt loved and safe and that there was a reason that I was still alive after all that had happened. And then again, during my fifth step, I felt like my God-shaped hole was finally filled with actual God instead of like men, women, shopping, other things that I had been trying to fill myself with in my first few weeks. But um, I also appreciate what was just said that like, um, doesn't really matter how you get to the top of the mountain, you're there. And um, because I have a lot of sponsees and even my sponsor like didn't have the same experience as me, but each experience is unique and beautiful. And um, I'm just very grateful for mine. So thank you. Thanks for sharing. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, as we'll learn later, as we continue to study the book and we, and we read Spiritual Experience, which is on page 183 in, in one of the appendix in the abridged uh, here. Um, yeah, the book, when it was first printed in the first edition, gave the, the reader the assumption that a lot of people, or this, was, this is what you needed, was one of these sudden spiritual experiences, this overwhelming God consciousness to come at you at once in order to recover from alcoholism, which, as we know today, is not the case. And, and they actually added that appendix in the second printing of the first uh, edition of the big book to uh, realign that expectation so you weren't just looking for that white light like oh my gosh I'm, I can't get this thing I didn't get that white light yeah. and we got a gentleman here that's doing the step series on Thursday I saw a hand there and he said uh, about William James varieties of religious experience he said there's thousands literally thousands of different types of religious experiences so it's not even just the educational variety or the sudden spectacular upheaval but we got a, a multitude of ways we can we can meet God you know so yeah so page 14 is talking how Bill had been through, had been tricked through an Oxford group style awakening through the process and the work that went into it. In 84, I went to rehab to get out of trouble in a $12,000 bill to my parents to just skate through and maybe learn how to drink. I went to Hazleton and they started throwing all this packet crap at me and all this therapeutic mumbo jumbo. And I was just going in one ear out the other. And I always like to tell people how sneaky God is. Because there was an AA meeting, they mentioned, ask God to help you stay sober every morning. I had always asked God for help, and he didn't want anything to do with me. I felt blocked off from him. But one night, second or third night, I'm not sure what it is, I got up on my knees, and I prayed to God. And in that moment, I saw the wall that was blocking me from God, and I heard, and I pushed down it, I couldn't get through, and I heard this pull on the door, pull on the door, and I pulled on the door, and I get washed over with white light. Love, just the first time in years that I felt the love of God, which was just the most amazing feeling. And I woke up that morning across between Dr. Phil and Joe Olstein, just this amazing, loving, annoying Captain Recovery and helpful. And it was so cool. And I, and I rode that God for about a year and a half, maybe two years. But I didn't, was never given the rest of AA. See, that's easy. You know, Dr. Young talks about the spiritual experiences. He doesn't understand it, but they happen somehow. Like, so this would happen naturally. But what happened to me, there was no way to keep it. You know, you never give an active alcoholic a gift because they don't take it. You know, they, we don't, we don't uh, appreciate it. 
So immediately, I wasn't getting enough money. I wasn't getting updates. So I started stealing line. And, you know, I slowly became that line piece of doo-doo I was. But I wasn't getting drunk or high, you know, for 15 years. And then, then I finally succumbed to alcoholism, either shoot myself or overdose. And when I came back the other time, I was so spoiled by the white light experience. I kept going to meetings, waiting for the magic to happen. It never happened. I'm thinking, well, I guess it doesn't want me to get sober yet. You know, so I went drinking and stuff like that. I had to have the spiritual experience of the educational variety the second time. I've experienced the first, and I wasted it. I just wrote it. I was a shopping spree, sex spree, travel spree, happy spree guy. Took it, beat the complete advantage of that. This time, I had to work to get it. So I appreciate it, because you give me anything, thank you. No, don't appreciate it. If I earn something, watch out. We're going to get a fist fight over it. So for me, I had to earn it the second time so there's two ways and like the thousands of ways to get it but bill was so lucky to have this because it changed his life thanks for sharing marina alcoholic hey marina so as i'm reading this it reminds me of um how i felt after i did my third step prayer and i can just vividly remember how everything drastically changed for me like my my perspective on life um it was just like that fog was you know taken out of my eyes and i remember like no joke but a day later i was standing outside and all of a sudden i became a morning person which was unheard of i'm up at 6 a.m and i open up the door outside i look up and there's this rainbow and it's a perfect circle above me and it was just like it just, that was my life, you know, from the beginning, coming into Alcoholics Anonymous. And I think about it now, and yeah, I have God with me now, but that was like such a special, precious moment that I will never get back. But I can remember how special it was, because I came in the life of having no God to all of a sudden having this huge impact of God in my life. So it was really drastic, where now... You know, I'm almost spoiled, and I have it all the time, so I don't really think about it as much as I did back then, but this paragraph um, describes it perfectly, so thanks. We got a hand. My name is Freddie. I'm an alcoholic, and uh, I didn't really plan to share, but, uh, you know, I got moved to do that, so uh, here I am today, my third meeting, and... um, you know, and regarding his reading, he says it's, it's simple, uh, not easy, which would imply it's hard. But I, I would pose the question, what's more difficult, living in this room, this life right here amongst people that, that love you? And make no mistake about that, because the people in this room love you more than anybody. And uh, versus being out there in jails and institutions and, you know, coming down hangovers and, and worse and not remembering what we did. So... You know, I, I think that that's a pretty clear answer, that this is a lot a lot easier than than that. And then, uh, you know, I come in here and I hear people, you know, talking about God and, uh, you know, and, and talking about the mountain. And I spend a lot of time on top of mountains. I live in the wilderness, you know, pretty much half the month up in, uh, in, in Utah. I mean, in some serious wilderness. And, and um, you know, I, I, you bring up God... I'll shout that from the highest mountain or the high, tallest skyscraper any day of the week. You know, I'll walk into a, a room like this, and there's somebody in here who's counting hours and days, and I want to tell you something right now because they'll say, well, don't talk about God because you scare the newcomer out. Let me tell you something. God is the only thing you need to know right now. 
Right? Now, human power will save me, but God could and would if he were sought. That's the single greatest power known to man. Nothing less than that great fact. You know? So, uh, and, and what do you have to do to get it? You know, you come in here, you say, I got a problem. We know we got a problem if we're in here. Everybody in here knows we got a problem, right? And then, what else do we have to do? We have to be open to say something else can fix that problem besides us. All right? That's it. Just be a little bit open to that. And then what do we do? We turn our lives over to God. I didn't understand that at the beginning. I said, what's he going to do? Tie my shoes? Is he going to go to work for me? How do you do that? Don't worry about it. I'll come to you. you know, and, and, and we got to think, you know, like, uh, we're the lucky ones. This is where the magic is. And, and anybody who doesn't know it, I'll let you know this. You're in this meeting. This is SEAL Team 6 training for AA. This is like the single best meeting you could be in. You know, it gives you a, a, a renewed uh, lease on life, you know, a, a new beginning. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry if I'm going over, but I'm just feeling it today. So I figured I'd pass that on, you know. I figured I'd pass that on. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for sharing. Now, I, I'm reminded of page 46. At the bottom of page 46, we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. It doesn't say he makes easy terms, but he doesn't make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. So we got to earnestly seek, but it is open, we believe, to all men and women. So it's open. So it's, it's very welcoming, right? It's, it's not exclusive. It's not forbidding. Come on in. Yeah. Should we uh, go on with the q and I like it. Okay. So next paragraph. After it passed, what was Bill's concern? And this is the page 14, third paragraph down, third full paragraph. What was Bill's concern? For a moment, I was alarmed and called my friend, the doctor, to ask if I were still sane. He listened in wonder as I talked. Did Dr. Silkworth really listen to Bill? Yeah, you just answered that. He listened in wonder. Anybody have anything on this paragraph? Okay. Next paragraph. What did the doctor say? Three sentences. Finally, he shook his head, saying, something has happened to you. I don't understand, but you had better hang on to it. Anything is better than the way you were. Mm. Was Bill's spiritual experience the only one that Dr. Silkworth witnessed? The good doctor now sees many men who have had such experiences. He knows they are real. Okay, and that that last question was, what was Dr. Silkworth's view on spiritual experiences? And, And he just said he knows that they are real. And this is the same Dr. Silkworth that, in the doctor's opinion, said that uh, there's powers of good that we're not well-equipped to apply that lie outside our synthetic knowledge. Synthetic meaning false knowledge or, like, artificial knowledge, right? So he's very open-minded. He didn't try to—and I've heard speakers talk about this with where they are in the book right now. Bill calls him having had this spiritual experience, and he doesn't try to say, hey, man, you're crazy. You know, maybe you got to come in and get some psychoanalysis and get on some meds, and this sounds a little uh, outlandish. No, he actually gives him some validation to what he's gone through. Anything's better than how you were. So that's a, that's a beautiful thing, I think. Does anybody have anything on this paragraph? Okay, let's move on. What thought came to Bill as he lay in the hospital? The entire paragraph. Finally, he shook his head saying, something has happened to you. I don't understand. Oh, sorry. While I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given me. Perhaps I could help some of them. them. They, in turn, might work with others. Mm. 
Does anyone have anything on that paragraph? Okay. Comment, where would we be if Bill had not had this thought and acted on it? Next paragraph, what did Bill tell Abby was absent? Oh, we got one. Okay. I think this is one of the most powerful paragraphs in the whole book. If we look back at Bill's story up to this, he was definitely one of the most selfish, self-centered, self-seeking people I've ever met in my life. He never did anything for anyone else. And this is also one of the most important things. God didn't sober me up to become the salesman of the month. He wants me to do good. He didn't sail, sober me up to have the most fancy car and the most fancy toys and gadgets. If I can afford them, yes, yeah, certainly have them. He didn't sober me up to have the best relationships or, you know, have the most fabulous stuff. He sobered me up because people are dying. And this is exactly, I like to call this, this is my marching order from God. Bill W.'s first thought of coming out of a spiritual experience while I lay in the hospital, a thought came to mind. There are thousands of hopeless alcoholics that might be glad to have what's been so freely given to me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They, in turn, would work with others. We get sober for one purpose and one purpose alone, to seek God and help other people who are dying. Everything else is cream on the cream, whipped, whipped cream on the strawberries. How's that? Mm. If you got it mixed up, you've wasted a wonderful gift from God. Thanks for sharing. Anything else on this paragraph? Yeah, I think, you know, to, to Mike Chase's point there, like, think about what happened from Bill W. getting sober and then carrying that message to Dr. Bob, who they say carried 5,000 to God himself, mm-hmm. right? And it was ter- told very early on to me when we get sober, and we may not see it ever, we may not see it for a while, but the ripples of success, the, the cascade of what happens when one individual gets sober and carries that message to another individual, you know, people who have been around a couple of 24 hours who have sponsees, who have sponsees, who have sponsees, and you get to see what happens because of that, because we, you know, some, we're just doing what was done for us, you know, and carrying that message to the next person that's still suffering. And, you know, I've, I can tell many stories about what has happened around me as a result of me getting sober and uh, continuing to do this work, and it's pretty amazing. So stick around if you're new here, and you'll get to see it too. How many millions of people have gotten sober because of Bill and Bob just getting sober themselves? Yeah, that's right. Anybody have anything else on this? All right. Let's move on to the next paragraph. What did Ebby tell Bill was absolutely necessary? This is the bottom paragraph on 14. What did Ebby tell Bill was absolutely necessary? My friends had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. What was particularly imperative? Particularly was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. What was it Ebby told Bill must accompany faith? Faith without works was dead, he said. Is that especially true for the alcoholic? And how appalling true for the alcoholic? we got a two-part question. How does an alcoholic develop his spiritual life? And why is it so important that a recovered alcoholic devotes some of his time in trying to help others? For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. Mm. If a recovered alcoholic doesn't work with others, what will happen? 
If he did not work, he would surely drink again, and if he drank, he would surely die. Where would our faith be then? Then faith would be dead indeed. Is that really the way it is? With us, it is just like that. All right. Does anyone have anything? We got a comment on this page. So there was like Tanisha recovered alcoholic. Hey, Tanisha. So there was like plenty of times where like I ended up in the hospital, got my stomach pumped, you know, felt better, walked out, went back. You know, so and then in the hospital or, you know, rested a few days, you know, felt better, got up, went back. And it was like, it was just so much, so much going through my head. Like, I tried this, I tried that, you know, and I went through it all just as it lays out in the book. And until like I decided, okay, I'm going to give AA a try. You know, I walked in here just getting my paper signed. That's all I wanted, just to make the judge happy. That's all. And God was doing for me what I could not do for myself, definitely. You know, he straightened me up and, you know, set a path before me to walk with friends that I'll have for a lifetime. And, you know, that alone, I mean, that's amazing. I should have been dead. I should have been dead. There's a kid that, you know, in the rap scene that passed away because he swallowed all those pills because he didn't want to get the charge, right? I did the same. You know, why am I still here? Like, why did I get the second chance, God? You know, here I am. I'm not taking it for granted. Just as Mike, you know, mentioned, I have to help others stay alive as well. And it sucks. I see a lot of people pass away in this program, you know, and it hurts. It hurts a lot. It really does. And that's all I got to share. Thanks for sharing. I I think I saw a hand up here. Yeah. Hi, my name is Dean, recovered alcoholic. Hey, Dean. Hey, Dean. Um, The paragraph with the word imperative to work with others as he worked with me. For if an alcoholic failed to enlarge, perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive certain trials and low spots ahead. If he would not work, he would surely drink. And if he drank, he would surely die. The important part of that for me is that's why we're here. Um, I didn't drive 1,600 miles just to say hello. I came down here because people in this group saved my life via the internet, via a podcast, in the sense that one of the other people have shared tonight that after a certain period of time, sobriety is not enough, and that we must continue this work with others. And, you know, a friend of mine um, that I sponsor, I like to refer to him as a rarely And he said, why do you keep calling me rarely? And I said, because rarely have we seen a person complete the 12th step. And this is what's in complete uh, conviction to me is that if I'm not offering my hand out to the new guy and not willing to spend time with them, I may not survive the low spots and the trials ahead. It does promise that. Thank you.
Thanks for sharing. You've got, got another one. Can pass behind you. Hi, Kelly, recovered alcoholic. Hey, Kelly. So faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again, and if he drank, he would die. And one thing I know 1,000% is I don't want to drink. I really don't want to drink. But see, my problem, the root of my problem is selfishness and self-centeredness. And the very last thing that I want to do is, after a long, hard day of work, you know, spend a few hours with somebody. I don't mean that naturally. I just mean as, as a naturally self-centered alcoholic. You know, that's not my natural inclination, is to go give my time and my spirit and, you know, to, to somebody else. That service work and that work with others continues to kill the root of my problem regularly. It's that, you know, what, what's that stuff called we're not allowed to use anymore? The weed killer? Roundup. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like the roundup to the root of my problem. You know, and, and it's just so true. You know, I did, I did a third step with somebody yesterday, and when we got down on our knees and said the third step and opened my eyes and I looked at her and God was all over it. Like the ambiance was different. You know, you could feel it all through and through. And, you know, she felt it as well. But let me tell you, I need that as much as she does. And I can't get that by myself all the time. It's through the practice of the principles (laughs) It all works just in such a beautiful relationship. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. That reminds me of this part in the family afterward. Page 129, it says, Father feels he has struck something better than gold. For a time he may try to hug the new treasure to himself. He may not see at once that he has barely scratched a limitless load, which will pay dividends only if he minds it for the rest of his life and insists on giving the entire product away. Hi, Marina Alcoholic. Marina. Um, So I love this paragraph because it's so true because my life can be absolutely wonderful. You know, I can have a great marriage. I can have a great job. um, I can be going to a million meetings and hanging out with my friends, and I'm still irritable and miserable, discontent, all the isms. But the moment I sit down with another woman or newcomer, it, it all goes away. Like, all my problems, like, me, I don't matter anymore. So I think that's what that self-sacrifice, it all comes down to. Like, I know um, a few months ago, we, me and my husband, we went to, through something really big. Like, we were just getting hit, like, time after time. It was just, like, a struggle. And somebody that was really close to us robbed a ton of money from us. So, like, I remember that day we found out I was a hot mess, you know, I just wanted to kill somebody, and I had to do a fifth step with a sponsee. So I call my sponsor, and I'm like, I'm not spiritually fit. I'm like, I don't think you understand. I can't go sit with this girl. And she's like, what are you talking about? This is, like, perfect timing. She's got, she's like, God just placed this girl in your life tonight for this reason. And I was like, thank you, because that's exactly what happened. You know, I sat down with her. I forgot about it. I gave it to God, and it, it all worked out. So thanks for letting me share. 
Thanks for sharing. Here's that sneaky God again, right? Freddie, alcoholic. Hey, Freddie. And uh, and this is a big thing. The uh, you know working with others, and, and and we don't realize it in, in the whole God thing. So you know, you can't. The human can't can't imagine how much God loves his children. He loves every one of you. He's sitting right next to you right now, and and you know you got to be open to that. And um, and if you are, wonderful things will happen in your life because it's you know it's God's plan versus our plan, right? His plan is perfect. Has amazing things. You know, some people come in. They say, "Well, listen, if you do the AA deal, you don't, you know, you won't you won't want to commit suicide. You won't want to you you won't have a miserable life, right? You'll, you'll save your life, right?" What they don't talk about as much is is you know, but they talk about it in the book. Is life will become incredibly more wonderful with each passing day, and if you do this, this, and that, and you know, our primary purpose is Alcoholics Anonymous and and God. That's it. So if anybody's confused about that, that's, that is the sole purpose of your life. That's why we're here right now. And if you do those things, you know, wonderful things will come to pass in your life. I mean, it, and then we become uh, less self, selfish and self-centered, right? And, and, and here's the magic of it, right? Somebody sitting in this room counting hours right now is going to get well. going to turn around and have an awesome life. And I was going to be telling this story in a couple of years down the road. They're going to save somebody else's life. They're going to pass that on, right? And it's somebody that I'll never know, and they'll never know, and they won't know. But what about that one person that's a couple, of, a couple of links down the chain, goes out and cures cancer, right? Or comes up with the formula for world peace, or comes up with the next whatever, you know, technological innovation that changes the world forever. And that's the beauty of it. And we don't need to know, you know, because we've got to this point. So, uh, you know... Be excited next time you get a chance to, to work with others. That's all I got. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, there's something really incredible about uh, doing doing something good uh, for the right reasons and not expecting anything in return. It's like it, it transforms us, and that's not like we have to fit. We can't fail to perfect and enlarge our spiritual life. And how do we do that? Work and self sacrifice. So are we are we finished with the QA? I guess it's kind of time. So. Okay, yeah. should we should we wrap it up? Sure. Okay, I'm game. Well, thank you to Fred for reading. <laughs> this is from a vision for you on page 164. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But you obviously cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and for countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. It is the practice of the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group for group member sponsees, sponsors to introduce their new sponsees by presenting them with a sponsorship medallion. Does anybody have a sponsee, somebody that they're sponsoring, bringing through the work that they would like to introduce to the group? Okay, bring a couple next week then to make up for it. Nice. Is there anyone here tonight that is in need of a Big Book sponsor? You could raise your hand. If you are too shy... Uh, find one of those people after the meeting that had their hands raised as a recovered alcoholic, and I'm sure you'll find somebody that would happily bring you through this work. 
If you'd like to become a member of this group, please join us after the meeting to fill out a membership card. And we're actually going to be having a business meeting here. So if you want to join and, and uh, get up all up in our business, you can come by after the meeting. <laughs> Fair enough. Can all home group members please raise your hands? We will see you right after to help reset up the room and do that business. Thank you for joining us tonight. Is it? <laughs> and we There's all laughed there. that Mike Chase got shot. Well, thanks for joining us. We, we hope to see you next week. And also, uh, we, you, come join us Thursday. There's an awesome step series going on. He's on the second week. It is downstairs. It's at 715. Get Who's here that? at 530. That's Doc H. Ooh, he's yeah. fire. He sure is. I happy. happy. Okay. Doc happy. All right. Please, uh, in respect of the building that we share with others, please wait until you are at least 75 feet away from the doors before you light up or vape and or go to the designated smoking areas on the corner of the building. Uh, if you are helping to reset up the room and you like to vape, you may use the balcony so that you can have quick access back to help us out. Let us close seated with the Lord's Prayer. Who will bring us from shame to grace? It doesn't matter.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go.
song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.
the tape. Got one man that just won't say. 